This hour is brought to you by Vasectomy Clinics of Chicago. The Bernstein and Holmes Show, middays 10 a.m. till 2 on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Dan Bernstein. What do I always say on this day? You know me. You, you know me long enough and well enough to know. The moment you know who's in the Super Bowl, decide who you think is going to win. Because usually that's your, your first instinct, your best instinct. There's going to be two weeks of jibber-jabber and running of the mouths and the running of the bulls and the running of the BS. And by the time you get to kickoff, you're going to be completely confused and tired. So just decide now. What have you decided? Chiefs. Hurts looking, standing still, winding up. Long pass. It lands at the 20. No one is there. Zeros on the clock. It's over. It's over. The Chiefs have won. Lawrence Holmes. You know the reason I'm really looking forward to this game? The very selfish reason I'm looking forward to Sunday, Dan? Hmm. Because once it's over, everyone goes back to zero. The new season starts. And guess who's in charge of the offseason? The Bears. The Chicago effing Bears. Bernstein and Holmes, your midday destination for Chicago sports talk. We're going to celebrate. Hey, look at that. The Super Bowl was great. Great call. And then on Monday? This Monday, we'll be celebrating. It's that won't be a Bears. Well, maybe it is kind of a Bears Monday. Maybe it's going to be a Bears are the most important team in the league Uh Monday. On Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. It can be whatever you want it to be. How about that? It was a good day. It was it, everything was solid. The entertainment product was there for us. The timing didn't drag too much. Everything was fine. It's an on the clock Monday, Dan. Bears. Bears are on the clock. But yeah, the Super Bowl was awesome. I I enjoyed a lot of parts of it, and Patrick Mahomes continues to do incredible stuff, and that's why. Last week, whether it was in the paper or here on the score, I was saying he's reached a point for me where I'm not betting against him. No, he's had one of the greatest five-year stretches of any quarterback ever. And is it right? Was it seven touchdowns and no interceptions for Patrick Mahomes in the postseason or something stupid like that? Mm-hmm. Like This guy is hes otherworldly, and it, it, he does stuff. And he he joked about it in the postgame last night where he's saying, yeah, I have to show off that. That four eight forty time, you see him make plays at the right moment. Like his knack for his instinct for this is a moment where I can take a risk. This is a moment where I can just say, "All right, ankle, hang out with me for just a little while longer, and we'll, I'll make the significant play." Like in the AFC Championship game. Okay, I gotta go. Go get that first down, and then you end up getting a, a penalty that puts you in position to to win the game. And they got a penalty yesterday, where it's it's become like a big topic. And I know that the people in Philadelphia are really mad. I I thought Nick Sirianni's approach to it and Bradbury. Bradbury said that he fouled him. Yes, he did, and, and he, he said I was look, holding him, and I was hoping they would let it slide. It sucks, but I always think you don't want the official to decide when to make a call, when not to make a call. All you can tell an official is call what you see. You can't have them making those decisions because you'd be you'd be angrier. There'd be a bigger scandal. But this isn't one of these two-day stories. This isn't one of these, oh, well, I have to address the way we call this and the NFL Competition Committee and Rules Committee. No, no, no. A guy made a call that he saw, and the people involved say there was a foul. This is the game we watch. This is the sport. 
Sometimes that happens, and it sucks. The crazy part about it is you understand what Bradbury's doing on that third and eighth play where he's grabbing because he's afraid to give up the touchdown. The crazy part is if he gives up the touchdown, the Eagles still find themselves with a chance to win the game. The the penalty, usually it's the other way around. You want the guy to make the holding penalty or the pass interference penalty to not give up the touchdown, where in this case, the touchdown puts your offense back out on the field. They clearly were trying that the next play, and luckily... But the ball carry was smart enough to slide down. Correct. Can I just tell you, one of my, my most favorite things about watching yesterday's game was watching Isaiah Pacheco run. Yeah, he's. there were a couple guys he reminds me of. One is a young Marion Barber. He's got some of that. And the other, do you remember Lawrence Maroney? I yeah. Think, I think they played they, together, backfield right? backfield in Minnesota. Yeah. But Lawrence they, Maroney the third. Pa- Patriots. And they both ran like maniacs. Like Tasmanian devil, like like churning up ground and our elbows flying everywhere. Both they came out of Minnesota at the same time, and both had this similar running style. I guess they recruited to that sort of style. They were that. That's who he reminds me of. Who's the? I, I want to say this guy is still in the league. I don't think who's the Nebraska running back that everyone compared to bowling ball of knives. Um, rolling ball of butcher knives. That was Ivory. That was the guy on the Saints. No, more recent than that. Like on over- the Falcons. Oh, I love that guy. The rookie. Yeah, you know who I'm thinking. Yeah, of. yeah, yeah the, yes, I love that guy. But but Pacheco, like, there's a fury and an anger, and he seems to get. He really seems to get to top speed with anticipation of the hit. Tyler Algier is the guy you're thinking of, Mike. But yes, he's he's ready for you. Yeah, he's like you want if you want to come tackle me, you're gonna have to tackle me going 21 miles an hour. And he's just fun. He's what they've done, like what considering what that offense was and who they had in in Tyree Kill and what he did to open things up for Kelsey and how Kelsey was able to exploit that and how Patrick always had someone out there. He's he's doing it with with Kadarius Tony and. Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju had a great game yesterday. They played 10 rookies. They played 10 rookies. 10 rookies in the Super Bowl. When you've got a lot of stuff put together, I think their offensive line is is really fun. You've got a great quarterback, and you have an outstanding tight end. And a great coach. And a great coach. like that. Those things matter. You're putting a lot on those rookies' plates, and you have to. Like you start looking at the money where Patrick Mahomes and and Chris Jones and their cash, and you've got to make those guys matter to your team. Andy Reid has has said doesn't matter. Like you're getting out there and you're playing, and we expect you to play well. That's it's good stuff. And I and it's like Mahomes is ridiculous, man. Like he's however you want it, he can give it to you. You you want him to do the crazy stuff, he can do the crazy stuff. You want him to just stand and deliver in the pocket? He can do that, too. You need a big run? He doesn't have to be as fast as Justin Fields, but he has to understand when to get out the back door on a play. His timing, like his clock, to me, is the most impressive thing about him. Like He really understands when 
plays break down and when to leave. That's the next step for Fields. Oh, 100%. Fields needs a lot of work on that still. And and honestly, he could take from what Jalen Hurts did yesterday, too. He was brilliant. He was really, really good. Jalen, Jalen Hurts was magnificent, with the exception of one derp of a play. Yeah. You know, and, and he you don't want to see it on that stage, and you don't want to see it happen to him, but that dude was was pretty ready. I I just dig him. Yeah. Like he's he just seems like a good dude and they're I they're in really good shape with him as their quarterback going forward. We're broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. We are Bernstein and Holmes. We are on middays, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 2, right here on Sports Radio 670, The Score. Anthony Heron is scheduled to join us at 11, Dan Wiederer at noon, Ron Hughley at 1. We've got a lot to talk about, what we saw yesterday, what we heard yesterday in our secular holiday that we all celebrate together. So we're going to keep doing that. Some notes on on the broadcast and the way everything was handled. What, the new score bug. I'm really not a big fan of it. I, I'm, I'm over it. I don't I don't get too riled up about it. But I look at it like, eh, meh, One thing meh. he is riled up about, though, is the field conditions Ridiculous. from yesterday. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Hi, after everything they talked all week, I hear because George Toma, nobody knows more about Saad than he gets. That field was horrible. It's really bad. That was horrible for the Super Bowl. And it was bad for the bowl game, too. Yeah. And the thing is that it's not like it's been, because I've been in and out of Arizona over the last few months. It's, the weather's been good for that. Like, it hasn't been crazy dry or even super sunny for the most part there. This has been a cold, cool winter for for Phoenix where you're seeing highs in the 50s and 60s for the most part and with some rain. And it looked like that. Hey, kudos to the Bears, by the way. Did you just get the press release? No. Bears just sent out this press release. The Chicago Bears announced the start of the countdown to the 2023 Miller Lite Chicago Bears draft party on Thursday, April 27th at Soldier Field. So they're stealing our bits? Yeah, see? See what what they did? They sent this out February 13th to the head of the highly anticipated number one overall draft pick. With the team securing the first overall pick of this year's draft, fans are invited to come to Soldier Field to be part of a historical moment. This marks only the third time in history the Bears have held the first overall pick, the last occurrence being in 1947. And then there's all the information here. But the fact that they're deciding to announce the start of a countdown to this, nice move. So it's legit on the clock yeah, Monday. Yeah. Like officially now. I'm, I'm glad they acted Like on we, it. we had it as the unofficial on the clock moment, and now the Bears are making it official. That's a nice move on their part. Yeah, it's good. That's a way to jump in front and, and get yourself inside the – that's right. It's your offseason now. Grab it. Grab it, take it, go. Good for you, Bears. We'll talk more about what we saw yesterday when we come back next on The Score. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Also, of course, two African-American quarterbacks starting against each other in the Super Bowl for the first time fittingly. February 12th is Abe Lincoln's birthday. I think that's one on my my list of the my hang 'em up list. The other is uh, 
how long? How much longer are we gonna do the Terry Bradshaw thing? Well, with Boomer, aptly named. Um, okay. After the game, you saw his value because Patrick Mahomes came right over there and talked with the ESPN desk, and like Andy Reid's wife was like she she was so happy to see Steve Young and, and Chris Berman and. You would hope that, you know, Chris would make the connection between the two black quarterbacks and, I don't know, Black History Month. Right there. It's it's right there. But he went for <laughs> Abe Lincoln's birthday. And I thought that the, the, <laughs> the, the Bradshaw, like making, I mean, the Andy Reid fat jokes, well, like there's a time and a place. I, and- I agree. The cheeseburger thing is... That is, I felt two ways about it. I felt like it was a friend messing with a friend. And also, it is his tradition. His tradition after wins is to go get a cheeseburger. But yes, I do think that, well, you know what I would have done. I, I, if I were running Fox, I would have started the clock on Tom Brady. Tom Brady would have been there to present the Super Bowl trophy if I were in charge of Fox. But I guess they didn't want to start the clock on him or Brady wants to get his one-way ticket to some Far East place and go do that before he starts broadcasting. I don't mind a little bit of the the slap and tickle that goes on on the the Fox pregame show. That's why you tune in because those guys are usually having fun with each other. And I know that Terry's been sick. So that's okay. a, you know like that's been right, a so, part of the equation so too. A little latitude on that. Yeah. Okay. But but I do think that you can kind of the way that ESPN has siloed Lee Corso where they're being very specific with what Lee Corso is going to do on broadcast and I think it actually's worked out fairly well. I think you probably do the same thing for Bradshaw at this point. And you you start to sunset him. Yeah, like yeah. he maybe he's not maybe he's not your public face. And 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 you you never know what like the contract language is. Like can Michael Strahan be that person? Yes. Well but can he? Oh, you mean like could he actually right. step into that role contractually? Right. Can't can't will ABC allow for that? And maybe we'll see because it seems like he's gonna be a part of this USFL thing that they got going on. But you would think that someone might be better equipped at this point than Terry Bradshaw to do some of that. That was my feeling. Just watching it, it was kind of uh, a couple cringy things in there. I'll also say, I think we're, it feels like we're burying the lead on something else. And that is how one of the biggest names in pop music did her full halftime mega production and did move like she usually does and and didn't eh, with uh, i mean but, not really moving like but she she's not known does. for her dancing she she really isn't she's not known as it's not it's not lady gaga it's, or, not, janet like, jackson. it's not janet jackson she's just she's always her backup dancers are incredible i mean that that the, the choreography that was just amazing but the fact that that that, that she didn't hide her pregnancy and she spot. She put a spotlight put on a it. Spotlight where, on it. Where the first two minutes of the performance, you're like, you're doing math, and you're going, wait, she just had a baby. Yeah. And- but but is isn't 
I just thought that the fact that we're, we're that it wasn't a bigger deal, and the fact that she felt comfortable enough to to highlight it, to spotlight it, to talk about it, and doing all that, I just thought from a from a feminist perspective, that's halftime of the Super Bowl. Yes, it's the biggest audience that you can play in North America. I thought it was a big deal, and and the fact that the, it, you didn't hear a lot of you know either way, and that's a, probably a good thing that people are just like okay, cool, she's pregnant. I kept wondering, how do you ensure that? And I get that she was tethered, but up super high on a slab and pregnant. I'm, I'm sure she was safe. They, there, I, there's all sorts. Of, like you, She was tied onto that thing. I know, but, you know, I, that's when I became a little bit more worried. I loved the end. I loved the end because it felt like I was watching someone who appreciated the moment. When she takes her earphones out and and she looks around because she's got the best view that there is. She's looking mm-hmm. up through the roof. She's seeing all the people, like all the different levels, all the dancers, like everything. It seemed like a really cool moment that she she took in yeah. and was like, wow, look at this. Like this is look where I'm at right now. Yeah, I just thought that was a big deal. I thought that was exactly what a halftime performance should be. I know there were some people that uh, thought that Chris Stapleton nailed the anthem. He he crushed it. I really enjoyed his rendition of the anthem. I thought he was pretty good. The babyface one, babyface was off. It, it looked like he lost his backing track a little bit. Or something in the IFB? Yeah, and it threw him off because he's usually not, he's a lot more smooth than what, he portrayed. I can't believe he's 64 years old. I mean, looks Come good. Come on. Come on, man. True to his nickname. I, I showed you the picture of Uncle George. You see? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you see how it is? You know? Sometimes you get blessed with the good genes. So, Cheryl Lee Ralph, I thought it did a really good job. She's terrific. Overall, I thought the pregame stuff was okay. You know? like it, I'm all, To me, if you want to have Stapleton do a halftime show... I'm kind of here for it because he can draw from other places. Like that was the other thing about Rihanna where most halftime shows have been like, who's this person going to bring with them? Right. And I was thinking that too. Like I was listening to the, the TI Rihanna song and I'm like, Oh, he's a candidate. Like maybe he ends up being on stage with her. She's like, no, I'm going to do, I got a whole bunch of hits. I'm going to do all my hits. And I don't need anyone else to be here on the stage with me other than my dancers. It's the DMX theory. DMX used to always talk about how he didn't really have a hype man with him when he was on stage. And part of the reason that he didn't is because I didn't want the audience to feel the hype man. I want them to feel me. I want everyone there to feel me. So that... That's how it came across to me that she went out there and said, this is the Rihanna halftime show. Mm-hmm. It's not Rihanna and Friends. This is the Rihanna halftime show. We're going to go out here and do it. So next year, when it finally is Weird Al Yankovic, he won't need any anybody with him. I don't I don't think that's going to happen, Come Dan. On. It has to. I will, I will manifest it into existence. You know what that does feel like, though? That That's maybe something a bit for NFL honors. Like that's that's for the award show a couple nights beforehand. You bring out Weird Al and he does some Weird Al type stuff. But yeah, it was. 
I, I, it was under, it was an understated performance. And then once you realize why the performance was understated, you're like, oh, okay, great. Look at that. Something new. We saw a breakthrough yesterday that I think a lot of people should be encouraged by. Yeah, there, there was a time when a female artist would cancel because they were pregnant. Where they they would just they would they would set aside during time a certain time of the pregnancy whether it was it would be an actor on a show or or a performer. or it would and, or it would be some like really ridiculous like whenever we would see people be pregnant on television shows in the eighties and nineties they're always behind something or what they remember when when or mo- they're gone when Modern Family first started and they had to work around Julie Bowen I think that that was her triplets and yeah. she's always carrying a laundry basket there's always, always standing something standing behind a dresser yeah they they know how to they know how to block those scenes but but good for good for Rihanna and I guess I should we should celebrate the fact that it's just not that big a deal she was up there being Rihanna she just happened to be pregnant this texture says country stars will never do the halftime show. There's no money in it for them. What? What are you talking about? What? Huh? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. Why wouldn't a country artist want to promote their music and perhaps grab people outside of their normal group of fans that would then increase streams, which you don't make a ton of money from, but could increase record sales and maybe people would go and see you. Now, here is an interesting text that provides a perfect segue into our next segment. The 815 texter says, any conversation about the rugby QB sneak? I think I hate it. Well, not only will there be conversation about the particular Philadelphia Eagles quarterback sneak arrangement, but there was. And anyone who was listening to this show over the last couple of weeks, was uniquely prepared to watch that game yesterday. Mm-hmm. Our experts were on it. There were all kinds of things that we talked about. We said, well, what would happen if this? Could this happen? What's the deal with this? And really smart people explained some things. And there was a, if you had a checklist, if you had a bingo card of stuff, anticipatory stuff that you heard on the Bernstein and Holmes show leading into the Super Bowl to only then actually kind of see it happen, we should catch you up. We will do that next here on The Score. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. What happens to me at the Super Bowl is I forget there's another half. It feels like two separate games. It's funny that you should say that. The Athletic did a story on the Super Bowl and Andy Reid. The thing with Reid is his second half adjustments, they're extremely difficult. He uses the first, call it 10 to 12 plays as a script to set up what he's going to do to adjust against him with personnel and how much you'll match certain things. You may stall him a little bit in the first or second quarter, but normally by the second half, He has completely adjusted things, and they have a lot of points of production in that stretch. We always looked at Andy Reid like it's two completely different games. Yep. And if you read what Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, and they were all talking about at halftime, you can understand what they took in every single bit of data 
of evidence they had to try to figure out what to do in that second half. And I, I am certain, certain that one of the aspects was, you know, their their edge rush isn't getting home because they keep slipping every single time. There's there's chunks of sod flying up when these guys are, are, are not to be confused with Javier Assad of the Cubs, but they are really struggling to get purchased with, with whatever spikes or cleats that they're wearing. Yep. We had some uh we had we were on it this this past week. Like that's one of the beautiful things. Like on this show, we're we're both proponents of something good happens on our show, someone smarts on our show cuz we get it. People don't listen for the full, the full 4 hours. Folks have got jobs to do, they're jumping into the store, they're doing whatever. But that's why we like to bring stuff back when we're talking about really, really smart people and you the the rugby mall, not a scrum, difference was broken down by our friend Kaylin Kaler, who I don't know if you were Did you see the, the dress? The dress, the unicorn, the Super Bowl fifty seven yes. unicorn why did that she, she bought. Why did she go buy a fifty dollar unicorn? Because she could, and it was great content on Twitter. I loved it because she was trying to decide which overpriced stuffed animal. The crazy thing is how much do you think she could get that for today? Like if she were just walking around. It was like the hockey tournament sweatshirts. <laughs> yeah. Where you, you, you wait until after the consolation game when you go. It's like it was, it was $75. He's like, ah, I'll do it for $25. i will do 25 yeah. I wonder what you could get that for. But she explained what to look for and – as it was going on, we were just like checking stuff off of our bingo card because she's going to explain how this whole thing works with the Eagles and what it does to the defense. The Eagles offensive line is like literally laying on the ground. Like they, I, they couldn't get lower if they tried. It's amazing. And when they, when they played the Bears, I think they had three sneaks against the Bears, one touchdown and a two-point conversion. And the Bears were actually called for being in the neutral zone. Because one of the defensive linemen was literally lined up like underneath Jason Kelsey. The Eagles know their count. The defense does not know their snap count. So the Eagles are able to like get these defenses like completely on edge, get them to line up in the neutral zone, get calls for a penalty, and then they run the same play again and they score. And it's just like, it's just completely amazing. There are so many benefits to this. Like you can get a penalty called on the defense. You can get them to jump the snap. They don't know your snap count. And then if they leave the edges wide open, which, which is what happened with the Bears' two-point conversion, Jalen Hurts literally just walked around the left side of the Bears' defense because they stacked the box to try to stop the seat. And that's what happened yesterday. Uh-huh. They, they drew up a sneak look. They actually did a couple cool things. They had a sneak look where they were able to run something else off of it. They had a hurry-up look where Jalen Hurts gets Kansas City to jump off sides, and they had a sneak look where the, the the defensive linemen are lined up in the neutral zone because they're trying to guess the snap count or trying to get lower than, than the offensive line. All that stuff, like if you were listening to the show and you heard Kalen Kaler talk about it, there it was for you on full display. We also- Third and one. It is. They're lining up with Gainwell, but they're in that uh, that rugby scrum, and they push him from behind. 
And the quarterback, Hurts, takes it with the quarterback sneak and picks up two. It's like he's floating on a magic carpet, rolling on bodies, like he's uh, one of those log dancers. What do they call the log runner guys? He's not even touching the water, not even touching the ground. He's got the first down. Log roller. <laughs> log dancer, log runner, almost, Kev. Log rolling. Ever tried that? No, no. I have. No, that's, that's a no good. I've, I've tried it. That that seems like a, a way for me see, to see. But, but when I was a kid, we, we had an actual log. We had an actual wooden log that was used. Do you, people use other things? N- n- High tech stuff now. What? Yeah, for log really Now there's this. It's a synthetic material, and you can on, on either end you can put different caps, different fins to slow or speed up for beginners. Like if you teach log rolling, yeah, this is how they do it. Now you slide off the caps. You can put on different caps to make it easier or harder for the log to turn in water. Oh. So you can start somebody out. If there's big like fins on the side, it, it turns really slowly. Like there's a propeller out there. But if you take them off and then it's for the pros and the thing just slides, you gotta, then you end up falling on your ass or in your face in the water. I'm going to say no thank you. Okay, no, it's fun. It seems like a... That seems like then I'm the headline. Like you, when you go out for your walks, when the the winds are 25 <laughs> miles per hour and you're on the lakefront. <laughs> no, it's just you're in shallow water. You're not going to hurt yourself. You can't hurt yourself log rolling. You fall off. Eh, can't I though? <laughs> no, I mean, if there's piranha in the way, the piranhas. The piranhas. Are, that'd be different. But yeah, I wouldn't worry about it. Brad Radke's there. So we we also heard uh, Sean King tell us about Jalen Hurts running from a passing formation. Because there's less attention paid to him. We saw that happen a couple times. And then on the play where it looked like Jalen Hurts, like, oh, A.J. Brown's down there somewhere. It might be double coverage, but let's see what happens. Because A.J. Brown is a special kind of wide receiver. Matt Bowen already told you that. Has a physical profile that creates major issues at the line of scrimmage. That's the first thing, is your ability to get hands on him and reroute him. Okay, because he has the power in his lower body and his upper body to work through a jam. He can play through contact at all three levels of the field. What that means is if you are in tight press coverage, he's going to play through that contact on slant routes, on inbreakers, and vertically down the field. He's got enough vertical speed to stretch you from the slot or outside the boundary, and he is excellent after the catch. So so pretty much a perfect wide receiver. <laughs> He's close. He's close because, uh, look, th- I think I said this last week, that move and bringing Reddick uh, were two of the best moves of the offseason last year in the NFL because of the impact they provided. And you go back to the Philadelphia playoff game last year against Tampa Bay where they really struggled against Brady and that Tampa defense. They didn't have a true pass game element, right? They weren't a very ver- vertical-based offense. They didn't push the ball aggressively to the second level. Bringing in A.J. Brown changed all of that. One, it helped dramatically improve the pocket throwing of Jalen Hurts. We saw his development this year. You can look at the numbers. You can look at the tape. He's near the top in every category when throwing from the pocket. But you can do that. Obviously, the offensive line comes into play here, but also having a dominant number one receiver where you know if there's a one-on-one matchup, you are going to him with the football, and he's going to win for you. First and ten, first play of the second quarter. The snap goes to Hurts. He fakes the hand up, has time, winds up, long pass, far side, caught over the shoulder, touchdown, Brown! Far side, touchdown, Eagles! A.J. Brown! 45-yard straight, and the Eagles have taken a lead on the first play of the second quarter in Super Bowl 57.
Highlight courtesy of Westwood One, our buddy Kevin Harlan on the call. Just makes me smile. He's great. He's really great. And so are our experts. So, like, that was fun yesterday. Playing the bingo, be like, oh, there's what Sean King was talking about. There's what Matt Bowen was talking about. There's what Kaylin Kaylee was talking about. It, it just, as it, it was another fun way to, like, watch the game. And I keep thinking about, like, the Solid Walla sound that we played going into, you know, the, our last segment of the week. It's like, wow, like, our people were really on it. And if you were paying attention throughout the week, you had so much stuff that you could do the DiCaprio pointing at the, the television screen while all of that stuff was going on. I know I had a pretty good Sunday thanks to Nick Costo, something that we heard on the Molly and Haw show, brought it to our show, and Costos mentioned Betting the first half. half Eagles, yes, that's Eagles right, another first thing. half, it's pretty important, pretty good. Shout out to Costos. Good on him to get that, that in. I did go, because my whole thing on betting this game was I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes. As much as I felt like the Eagles had the better roster and Jalen Hurts was playing playing great this year. And then FanDuel came through and they were like, hey, do you know that you have a, a free bet available? And I was like, is that right? So I went Casey Moneyline because of the stuff in the athletic where it made all the sense in the world. If you look at Andy Reid's career and look at his second half adjustments, he's amazing at it. And it turned out to be a very profitable day yesterday. So thanks, FanDuel, for alerting me to opt in and and, and get myself a, a little extra going on there. We need to leave time for this, so we've got it. All right, Dan, the field and the field conditions yesterday. Inexcusable. Absolutely inexcusable for a Super Bowl. It It's bad enough for a regular season game. But when we're talking about everything else that's going on, all this wagering, the eyes of the world are on your game. It, it, it is part of my maybe hyperbolic argument to abolish outdoor football. And I've said that before. You, I mean, I just said that all games should be played on turf on, with, with a roof just because it's not fair. Would you want to? It's like an NBA game where they're slipping and sliding around. These are some of the greatest athletes in the world working at the highest speeds with incredible body control. It's like watching – you don't want to watch hockey players on crappy ice or with, with, with dull skate blades. You don't want to watch NBA players where something's wrong with their shoes or they're slipping. They'll cancel a game if there's condensation. You don't they, want to watch NASCAR on a, on a track that has potholes. On a dirt – right. Why do we tolerate this with football? That's intolerable. Like, you could change your entire game plan. If you're the Chiefs defensive line coach, if you're the Chiefs defensive coordinator, and you're like, well, we can't get home. We can't. If we have to cut, I mean, Hassan Raddick's whole game, the reason they got Quinn is because of he fit in with what they do on these angles. Right. Trusting their footing to be able to, to get that lean and, and bend the edge. They couldn't do it. That's not right. And yeah, it was still an exciting game, and ultimately nobody's going to care, and they're going to have their parades, and it's all wonderful, and both teams play on the same field. But as a fan, I hate it. And I'm, I'm not saying I had any, any kind of bad beat. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I don't care who won or lost. But it just sucks. It shouldn't happen. I know that there are extreme weather circumstances. 
which might be a, an adorable novelty for you or your reminds you or your youth and wherever. I don't yeah, like- but but the whole point of having the Super Bowl in a place like Glendale, Arizona is to mitigate that. Correct. It's supposed to be a reward and you're supposed to make it for for the conditions to be as perfect as they as they can be. And yesterday during kickoff, they were 74 degrees and sunny. And it's not like it's been hot and dry out there. This this winter, yeah, I'm not saying I, all necessarily have to be artificial. You could have good grass. Well, and usually, the usually Arizona is held up as a place that has good grass, and you know they do the whole thing of they they wheel the grass out so that the grass can get sunlight during the day, and then they wheel the grass back into the stadium. I don't. I would love to know if the NFL would one actually look into what was going on and two then let the public know what happened with it because I looked at it as two different things happening it felt like to me the surface itself wasn't great and I felt maybe a little they had probably been overwatered that's what it looked like to me that it had been overwatered I'm not an agronomist I don't even play one on the radio then you have the paint issue. And I kept wondering, is the paint, when did they paint? Did they paint at the normal time? Was the paint itself actually slippery for the guys? Or was it just a manifestation of the other poorly taken care of aspects of the field? But this wasn't even, this wasn't even let's cover the dry spots on the field like they often do at Soldier Field where you get four different colors of green on Soldier Field. This was divots. This was waste management open level divots that were being, you're seeing them huddle up and line up and you go, that's a gash mm-hmm. on the field. That's not the way that the game should be played in that moment without a weather event. If we're talking about what happened in week one yeah, between Bears the Bears Niners. and the 49ers, nothing you can do. there's nothing you can do. And strangely enough, the Bears field actually held up in that game more than one would have expected it to. So I don't know if the NFL is, is going to look at I know that there's a war going on right now between the, the league and the players or the owners and the players. The players do want natural grass that they have been – very adamant about that to the point they're angry at the NFL because the NFL venues are going to, some of them are going to change their surfaces for soccer, for soccer, for world cup. And the NFL players are like, hold on. Andrew Whitworth was great on that. Saying, oh, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Now, now you're doing it when we've been asking for this forever. Yeah. And I, and I think that there's a lot of validity to his argument. I also think that what you want is a playing surface that does feel fast and level. And they've got to figure that out. Because you that was the game itself, luckily. That luckily there wasn't a play that we could pinpoint and go, there's the reason that such and such lost. I think you're right. It affected the game. I agree with you. I think that it's the it, only it, thing all year that has neutralized that historic pass rush. It, and that is a that is an 85 Bears level. Front, the, the, the just production wise, 
They led the league in sacks by a mile. Yep. And they didn't get one yesterday. Difficult for them to get to the quarterback to bend the edge to get up field because the field conditions were terrible. You know what? We can ask Big Ann about this. He used to rush the passer. We ask him about like field conditions and pass rushing, along with everything else, including Rihanna. We'll do it next here on The Score.